about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back. Welcome, listeners of the Four Horsemen Podcast. I'm Dylan, not joined by Steve or P Wagon today. Those guys have been fired. Not actually, but uh, they're busy. So I've been joined by two guests. This is going to be a special podcast where in the first half we're going to talk about conference realignment and Notre Dame's potential move to the Big Ten. And then afterwards, because this is the dog days of summer, we're going to get into a little bit of history, talk about where programs stand all time. And to join me for this, we got Eric Wallace, E-Dub on Twitter, Michigan State fan. Uh, I'm sure you guys have seen him by now. We only tweet and retweet each other all day. Uh, and then we got Kenneth Jones, Goat Finder, uh, at uh, an Alabama fan on Twitter, who I'm sure you guys have also seen by now. Um, super in, super knowledgeable guys, just kind of like us, super fans. Got lots to say, and I figured, why not? It's the middle of August. Let's have some fun. So I'll start with you, Eric. Um, do you want to introduce yourself to the, to the audience and say whatever? Hey, what's going on, Notre Dame fans? Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I... First of all, um, I can't wait for you guys to join the Big Ten. Let me tell you what, uh, I will be waiting on your doorsteps with a uh, giant uh, gift basket uh, from the state of Michigan. I'll have a big, I don't know, uh, uh, big giant basket of Coney dogs for you. Uh, It's the Michigan specialty here. So um, when you guys get here... um, We'll have a we'll have a grand old time, uh, maybe a hundred million dollars a year or something. But maybe we'll get more into that as the show goes on. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I can't wait to get the show started, though. Absolutely, uh, Kenneth. Do you want to do the same? Uh, hello, my name is Kenneth. Of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Short and sweet. Um, the Alabama fan doesn't have to say much because he lets the ring show it for himself, right? That's yeah, yeah. That, that's how it goes. Um, so, yeah, it's great to see you guys uh, visually, but also have you on the show. Um, let's get into it. Conference realignment. What the hell is going on? Why is our sport being ruined or is it not being ruined? Uh, Eric, I'm going to let you have the first shot there because it's your conference that's uh, currently under the spotlight. It's, uh, I mean, I guess it depends who you... I guess it depends who you talk to. I am kind of old school. I personally don't like it. I liked it the way it was before even Nebraska came to the Big Ten. I like the old Big 12. I like the old Pac-10. I liked it when the Big East was still a real football conference. So I am... Every time I see a new conference realignment shift, I kind of cringe. I really cringed last summer when it was Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. Since then, I've kind of wrapped my head around it and gone, well, it's kind of a geographical fit, but the culture fit still just to me isn't there because it's I don't know. It's still, to me, Big 12 country just going to the SEC. 
to me, it's just all it is is these two conferences, the Big Ten and the SEC, just widening the gap and leaving everyone else in the dust. And eventually, and obviously we'll get more into it, but like we're discluding USC, UCLA, um, and then you're going to eventually see, you know, we're going to disclude Notre Dame for obvious reasons, but like there's going to be a lot of really fun college football programs down the line, like Washington state and their like fun offenses. There's uh, a lot of fun ACC matchups. You know, there's just fun big 12 high scoring high flying games and pack 12 after dark, like that stuff, that stuff at one point mattered. And now I just don't know like where that's going to all fall when these two, what eventually looks like it's becoming a super conference just like spreads itself out and just, you know, and, and to me, I'm looking at like a program, for example, like, like Oklahoma state, like Oklahoma state's been a damn good program for the better part of 15 years under Gundy, 20 years. They've been a 10 win program. How many times? Um, they've, they've, they're now going to be financially and woefully behind schools like Rutgers and Vanderbilt and Purdue. And to me, that just doesn't make sense, but that's just where the sport's going. Cause it's all about what does this fan base draw to, to the, what's the almighty dollar? Like I could make a case today and this, this isn't how it works, but I could make a case that you could take Rutgers out of the big 10, throw Oklahoma state in there and it'd be more valuable. But that's you're not taking teams out to put other teams in. You could say the same thing about Oregon, Washington, uh, and we haven't even gotten to like the ACC and all the other programs that are there. They're just untouchable right now. So I just think it's a giant mess. Um, and the only thing at the moment that's kind of lynching it all together is you guys is the way I see it. Cause if Notre Dame doesn't move right now, it kind of stays status quo. And if Notre Dame does move, it kind of lends itself to more movement coming down the line. And I think that could, I mean, obviously it would make for really compelling Big Ten matchups, but it could really fracture the sport as a whole down the line if you're just a fan of college football. And I don't, I don't know. I, as the old school fan, I'm not a giant fan of that at all. Yeah, I think that's the reality that we're coming to is Notre Dame's kind of the glue that, or, or at least the last straw that could break the camel's back here. Um, Kenneth, I want to get you in from an SEC perspective. 
How do you feel about Oklahoma and Texas joining the conference? And do you feel partially responsible for the death of college football? No, not at all. The bell was rung when Nebraska left for the Big Ten. I think that's when uh, things started to shift this way. And that's when all this stuff became inevitable, where conferences would be uh, fighting each other for power until, you know, until there's a winner. Not sure how that's going to end up, but uh, yeah. I could make the case that I could make the case that a lot of this conference realignment was going on a long time ago because you had, I mean, Notre Dame and Penn State and South Carolina and I think West Virginia and uh, I think uh, how many other independents and then you had even like Arkansas, Florida State, thank you. And then you had like Arkansas and the Southwest Conference and you had all this other realignment going on in the late 80s, early 90s that was TV driven at the time. And it wasn't TV driven the way it is now. But I mean, it's it was there was a lot of shifting going on then, too. But I think a lot of stuff kind of stayed status quo from like, you know, the mid 90s through that, you know, Nebraska move. And the Nebraska move, I think, was kind of more Texas's fault than anything. I think that whole Big 12 shifting around dynamic back in the late 2000 or early 2010s was more Texas pissing everybody off with the Longhorn Network and demanding larger revenue shares. And because I think there was, if I remember right, there's a real possibility that all all those bigger programs in the Big 12 were going to possibly leave for the Pac-12 and that was going to become the Pac-16. And that was going to be like the first real super conference, which would have thrown the whole sport off before, you know, the real super conferences we're seeing now. And uh, somehow the Big 12 kind of glued it all together by, you know, weird revenue sharing, the Longhorn Network, Texas, and, uh, you know, and at that point, Texas A&M was like, yep, we're done. We're not doing this. Nebraska's like, yep, we're out of here. We're, you know, we're not doing this anymore either. And, you know, eventually you just started seeing an exodus of programs. You know, Colorado got out of there. Missouri got out of there. So uh, I think that was a lot of Texas just kind of pissing off everybody in the neighborhood. So, but, uh, but this is, I mean, realignment's been going on for a long time, but the, and you could argue that. You know, like Penn State was an independent for a really long time, and they only made the move because they needed to find reliable television partners, and the Big Ten gave them that. They've never been a true cultural fit in the Big Ten. They've always wanted a more East Coast presence in a very uh, Midwestern-y regional uh, type conference. Um, so I mean, but this is, but yeah, I, Nebraska going to the big 10 was the biggest mind blowing weirdness that I remember. Well, from what I understand, like the NCAA is pretty weak to begin with and what it enforces, but then you have the kind of a deregulation of the sport you have NIL, and then you have the media companies owning the conferences. 
and that's basically put all these market pressures into action and and this is where we are now um something i wanted to ask you guys um and i don't know maybe maybe i'm thinking about this too narrowly but if part of the issue these programs are leaving right texas and oklahoma leaving the sec ucla and, and usc leaving to the big 10 is because they're not getting paid their fair share and they have to split them equally with all the other useless conference members what's to stop that being the issue with the super conferences like if we end up in a two a, a two super conference league um what's going to stop alabama from saying why am i sharing my revenue with vanderbilt or you know ohio state to say the same thing about purdue i, I feel like this is almost a self-cannibalizing cycle here of um equal revenue sharing is it am i wrong or is that is that less of a concern for you guys i mean i, I won't speak uh, oh sorry kenneth go ahead all right i think there are too many big programs or at least there definitely will be too many big programs in each of the conferences to uh for that to happen i think alabama on their own probably isn't or aren't going to make as much as they would sharing money with florida georgia texas oklahoma i think it's going to be a a bigger money move to stay in the conference at this point. Yeah, I I agree. I think, you know, in Ohio State and Michigan in the Big Ten are the really the big money makers. And then you've kind of got like that next level in the Big Ten with like Penn State and now USC, UCLA, uh, you know, the next level you've got, you know, your Iowa's, Wisconsin's, Michigan State's. But all of those are giant money makers uh, as, as it is. And I feel like, I mean, at this point, I guess, I guess to your point, is there really anything stopping them? No, but at right now at this juncture, everybody is going to be making so much damn money and they're going to be the highest paid conference. Like they're making, they're going to be making upwards of like 40 to $60 million a year more for each team than schools in the ACC and the Pac-12, uh, the Big 12, or whatever's left of those conferences. So, like, at this point, are they really squabbling about, like, who's making more than who? Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe, I know that, I know that Gene Smith, the AD of Ohio State, has come out and said that he's not in favor of unequal revenue sharing than for whatever that's worth. I mean, he's, I mean, he's kind of the one of the two big power brokers of you know the big 10 the other one being kevin warren himself so i mean if he's on board with equal revenue sharing i'm sure that'll stay that way so he has as much of a leg to stand on to get ask for unequal and get more than anybody else in the conference i would think so yeah that's that's a good sign my my favorite factor statistic that has come out of this realignment is the fact that USC now has the most Big Ten Rose Bowl victories. Basically a home game for them, so I mean, not surprising. True, true. Yeah, there's something about USC that you really want them, I want that fan base to come back. You know, it feels like they've been really diluted ever since all those LA sports teams moved in, and that that's it's, kind of taken the shine off. The most it's about to fan base. I don't know if you heard, um, talk coming. So there's going to be plenty more Rose Bowls for Michigan State. They'll pass USC. Don't worry about it. 
<laughs> well, that is if they uh, don't keep making national championships. Sorry. Right. No, no, that's that's fair. We all know Michigan State's the next big power in, in college football. That's right. Um, yeah. I do love Mel Tucker, though. I think that was such a great hire. Um, and, and I hope Michigan State can keep it up because when Michigan State's good, that takes away from Ohio State in recruiting. That takes away from Michigan recruiting. It takes away from Penn State in recruiting. Like, it's just, it's good to have more competition in the Midwest um, as a Notre Dame fan who hates those other programs. Um, but let's, uh, you know, we this is kind of a Notre Dame show. And uh, I'm sure our listeners want to understand what the hell is going on here and why Notre Dame, after 132 years of independence, is contemplating joining a conference um and you talked about about revenue and, and why that matters is not just because that goes into facilities and coaching and and all that kind of stuff we're heading towards playing paying players like we are that close to it there's going to be uh, some kind of unionization effort going on there's going to be revenue sharing with the athletes and that's where the kind of the revenue issue is a big deal because if you're not making that top dollar you can't afford to pay recruits or your players as much. And then you're a less attractive destination just by default of, of how this is going to work. You just have less money. And I hate that because I'm going to miss Pitt versus BC. And, uh, you know, there's going to be some good programs in there like uh, TCU, Baylor. What happens with them? Is the SEC really going to be interested in those schools, you know, potentially because you get into the Texas market, but you just did with with UT. So, I'm not sure. Um, you know, Kenneth, you're not a Notre Dame guy, but you know your history. What do you think is the trajectory here? Do you do you have a position on where Notre Dame should go, or would you just kind of defer to whatever we decide? Uh, from an outsider point of view, it seems like joining the Big Ten would be their best option. Uh, there's the I think I mentioned this in that space you held, but there's the tradition of being an independent, but there's also the tradition of playing Michigan and Michigan State and Purdue, there's all those rivalries that you don't play as often as you maybe would like to. So it seems like the best move to me. Yeah. yeah. I, um, boy, I'm, I'm torn on this one as a state fan. I'm biased. I would love them to join just so the rivalry would start again. But. I don't know. There's just something unique about like independence in Notre Dame for me. I don't know. It's going back to that, like having the traditional college football again. And I would like to s ultimately for Notre Dame, I feel like that's going to be a, and I, I preface this by saying I have no idea what they're going to do. And like, I hear people talk about this all the time. I know that you and I've talked about this privately. It's like you get the, proponents of you know uh people wanting notre dame to join the big 10 like really hardcore like oh notre dame's gonna fall behind big 10 money machine burr 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 cash and it's like i don't know like as long as they have there's a lot of other stuff that goes into it they may still end up joining but I think the big thing they have to think about, A, do they have a pathway to the college football playoff? And in case everybody seemed to forget, that's still going to be expanding. And it sounds like everybody, at least it seems like there's going to be plenty of at-large bids. And it seems like that's going to be even a larger pool of at-large bids now. At least the Big Ten's talking about that now. So 
I mean, that bodes really well for Notre Dame to be a two-loss at worst team. They probably have a seat at the table with their schedule. And, you know, it if they can be, you know, a, a, if they can have a seat at the table in an expanded playoff and they can, you know, and then the other side of it is they have to have a new NBC contract that comes up that doesn't make them fall behind financially from what their counterparts like Michigan and Michigan state and Ohio state are doing in the big 10. If yeah, can I jump in there just real quick to yeah, summarize yeah. for, for the audience, Notre Dame as uh, athletic director, Drax Schwarbeck has said, there's three pillars to Notre Dame's independence that would have to crumble for Notre Dame to join a conference. There's one, a national media partner. That's never going to be an issue. Um, as far as I'm concerned, people will always be televising Notre Dame. Two, there's access to the playoff, which is what Eric's been talking about. And on this one, I actually think that's not going to be an issue because we had this very unholy alliance last year between Greg Sankey, athletic, or uh, the, the, I don't know what you call them in the conference, the conference chairman leader the commissioners <laughs> the commissioner the commissioner of the conference uh, greg sankey of the sec and jack schwarbrick athletic director at notre dame were working together to get a 12 team expansion playoff which would as eric said basically guarantee notre dame a spot at the table with a 10 and 2 season so that's not going away and with things being as they are now sankey said you know we had four automatic bids for the other conferences I don't think we're going to do that anymore. I think we're going to have 12 at-large bids. And that's even better for Notre Dame because under the old proposal, which we endorsed, we would never have been able to get a buy, even if we were the number one team in the country. Um, so there's that. And then the big one that Eric's getting to, and I'll, and I'll lead it back off to you here, is the financial competitiveness. And that's the really big issue here because for the folks who don't realize at home, the Big Ten has just secured a, a, a huge media rights deal with Fox Sports, who owns over 60% of the Big Ten network. And they got tier two deals with NBC and CBS. So they're going to be on noon on Fox, 3.30 on CBS or NBC, and then 7.30 on CBS or NBC. And this deal is going to kind of dwarf the SEC's deal with the ESPN. So the money that Purdue and Indiana and Illinois are going to make are going to dwarf Notre Dame's and that's where we're getting to. And that's where I'm going to kind of pass it off to Eric and let him finish his, his thought there, because that is the, a really big issue. Oh, it's, it's a huge issue for Notre Dame. And that's, but this is kind of, there was a report about, I, I don't know. There was about a month ago now, but Notre Dame was looking for $75 million to stay independent from NBC. And I think to me, my brain is saying, there's that number seems kind of high, like even with shoulder programming, that number still seems kind of high, but I do think, you know, aim high, you can maybe fall short. I don't Notre Dame realizes that you're not going to, to be independent. You're probably not going to get to the exact same number that all the big 10 schools are going to get. You just need to make sure that you're not at that. Like, cause what's the number now? 15 million. Is that what Notre Dame's getting in their NBC deal? I think it's around 22 plus they're getting 10 out of the ACC for the other sports. So Notre Dame is about 30 million, I think, total, which is nothing like the NBC deal. We're asking to go from like 20 million a year to 75 for only seven home games. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. And there's I mean, and with all due respect, and, and, and this is not taking away from Notre Dame's brand whatsoever. There's not a 
television network in the world that's going to pay $75 million for anybody's home games like that seven home games. That's just a lot of money, but can they get 50 to 60? Maybe. And that's what Jack Swarbrick's getting at. It's like, can we get ourselves so we're financially afloat and not like falling that far behind the big 10 every year? Cause that's, that's gotta be a component to us retaining our independence. If we can get that financial part figured out, if we can get that access to the college football playoff figured out, maybe the independence thing can still work. I don't know if that's going to be enough still. Maybe maybe enough people are like, well, hey, look, USC's now in the Big Ten. It's a national conference. I know Brady Quinn has come out and said, look, it's it's a national conference now. You've got New York, Chicago, LA, USC's there, all your other rivals like Michigan State, Purdue, and even Michigan, if you even give a damn about playing them anymore, they're there. Like, what else do you need? It's oh, it's gonna be with the Big Ten payout and the huge media deal, like close to close to, if not more than a hundred million dollars a year. What is there to think about? I, that's a decision Swarbrick has to make and one I'm glad I don't have to make. It's tough. And he's at the end of his tenure and this is going to be the last major thing he does. And I, I don't envy that at all. Um, yeah, it's like you said, it, it's a tough situation for Notre Dame to be in. I, I, Ken, I wanted to ask you your thoughts here because I, I don't know how into conferences or, or realignment you are, but the kind of the understanding is the SEC really doesn't want Notre Dame to join the Big Ten because that would create an even larger financial gap than that's already being created. Not necessarily a competitive gap because the SEC is still by far the best conference on the field. Um, I think that is kind of narrowing, and I think Notre Dame going to the Big Ten would would even that out a bit. But it's weird that despite being the best you know, conference that the money isn't number one. So is this a concern for you? But at the same time, you're an Alabama guy. So like, who cares what other people do, right? You guys are the kings of the sport at the moment. So I'm curious to hear what your perspective is. Uh, money makes the world go round. I'm sure every SEC team and everybody who's working with the SEC, you know, uh, want to make more of it. I'm not exactly sure. There's a lot of uh, projections and stuff going around. The SEC will make this much by this year and the Big Ten will make this much by this year. A lot of them have the SEC slowly catching up to the Big Ten, but we can't really know for sure. I don't think there's going to be a gigantic gap like there currently is and currently seems to be. So I'm not really concerned about the money for the the poor old SEC. I think they would trade in the making, you know, 10 or 15 million dollars a year less knowing that they have more seats at the college football playoff that's expanded and I don't think Bama fans really care as long as they're still winning every other college football playoff championship every other year at worst if not every 2 years. Yeah, these the rest of the teams can drown financially for all we care. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm sure you do. Yeah, they're more they're more concerned about what the heck happens when Saban leaves, if and when that ever happens. We found yeah. found he's never going to leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure they've 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 somehow taken their financial stake from the SEC and found a machine to keep him alive for another fifty years. 
Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's great. That was such a Notre Dame answer there too. Like I don't care what the other teams make. Like let them let them sink, right? Like that's <laughs> my mentality. So I don't care what the other programs do. I, as long as I as long as Notre Dame's winning, which we haven't, so uh, that's been a big issue. Um, yeah, Nick Saban's going to live forever, and I hate that because I think he's already the greatest coach of all time, um, especially in the era he's done it in. I don't really think that's that's really up for debate. I, although Kenneth, you've got a few guys you could pick from there in in the Alabama history. So would would you would you say Saban's number one? It is an extremely tough debate because uh, Bear Bryant, of course, won everywhere he went. He won at he won at Kentucky somehow. He got them their first SEC championship. He wore he won at A and M. He won at Alabama. Saban only really started winning when he went to the SEC. Uh, Bear Bryant has the longevity, but uh, Saban has the peak, the the peak dominance, the dynasty. It's plus you're comparing across eras. You know, Bear Bryant could have anywhere between four and ten national championships, while Saban has like a true national championship game. So it's really tough. I think I'd rate Saban the best, but it's it's really tough to tell. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, Eric, you've got an expertise on on Nick Saban as well. Um, you know, I can't even believe he coached up north. That's kind of mind blowing to me, uh, just with how in the south he's been the last twenty years. Well, he uh, he he really helped um, Michigan State uh, for a very brief period in the late nineties, from kind of the doldrums of the early nineties turning it around um he did not have today's michigan state is really invested with a couple of really high powered billionaires that are really invested in not just tucker but the entire athletic department especially football um they did not have that level of investment or care of investment back then and when saban wanted something he wasn't getting that and it was going to be impossible for him to overcome what michigan had what ohio state had because back then it was the big two and the little eight or little nine um so he found greener pastures at lsu and he went and um, that's actually a kind of a sad story because he actually went and he thought his assistants were going with him. And uh, when he got to the airport in Baton Rouge to meet his assistants, the plane landed and none of his assistants were there. If you ever read his book, he uh, it was a very tearful moment for him. Um, not to get too far down. Don't the humanize him. History. Yeah. Right. Don't right. Humanize yeah. That guy. Let yeah. him be evil. OK, don't make him likable at all. And <laughs> I. Can I share my favorite Alabama co- coach is uh, what's it? Joe Kimes. Is that, is that his name? The guy that was the coach before Saban took over the guy who coached the bowl game. Oh, uh, you mean like Ed Ogeron jr. The guy with the, the crazy voice. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. That whenever I saw that, when that guy had his uh, halftime speech, uh, I remember watching that in college and I was like, Oh my God. This guy's gold. He won't he he won't be the coach ever again in college football, or at least not in high level college football. But if I could listen to this guy talk, I would I would pay money to listen to this guy talk for the rest He's of my a life. Podcast. Yes. Yeah. We should get we should get Joe Kimes on the show. 
something I want to ask you guys um, both because it is relevant to conference realignment a bit. How do you see Oregon? Like what what do you see when you when you see Oregon? Because I'm not from the West Coast. I don't really know. But my perception of Oregon isn't particularly high, and I don't hate them or anything. I just I I don't I I don't want them to come with me to the Big Ten if we were to go. Like, what what do you guys do? You view that as a program with value? Do you, are they a top of the wish list kind of program, or or, or what's going on? <laughs> I'll let Kenneth start. Uh, if they're anything like Washington fans, which Washington seems to be like second on that list, they've got to be a little uh, uncertain about their future considering how the state of the Pac-12 and stuff and not being sure whether the Big Ten would take them or not. Uh, I think they certainly are in, like, the best position of all the uh, non-Notre Dame teams that aren't in the SEC or the Big Ten. But uh, they've got to be uh, unsure about themselves, unsure about the future. That has to be the feeling around the program. Yeah, that's uh, – that's they're one of the ones – they're one of the ones that is a really interesting case because – They've got a they've got a pretty good program. They're pretty competitive. Um, I know they haven't been they haven't been like college football playoff competitive as of late, but they have made the national championship, I think twice over the last twelve or thirteen years. Um, one of those years was Marcus Mariota year and the first year of the college football playoff. Um that's a program that has a lot of investment into it with obviously the Nike money, but it's not just football. They've got some really heavy investment into all of their athletic facilities too. Um, it's, they really love their athletic programs up there. And I, it's a program where the football team is interesting enough that people will watch, but it's not a fan base. I don't think that's ginormous enough. Like you, like that moves the needle, like an Oklahoma or a Texas or a USC. So it's a program. I think that, and we'll, I, I'd kind of get into this. I don't know, maybe in a minute, but like, in a scenario where Notre Dame were to join, Notre Dame's going to bring enough value to the Big Ten where you're not you're not subtracting the pie pieces. You're actually making the pie pieces a little bit bigger. Um, so if you're adding another team, if that other team or uh, that other university is the pie, their pie piece is a little bit smaller, it's actually not subtracting everybody else's pie piece overall it's actually just kind of a net neutral so you could you could add Oregon and it wouldn't kill everybody else's pocketbooks if you're just looking at this from the revenue which is what the conferences are doing if I'm adding it I see them as being the most like from a west coast perspective I see them being the most competitive right now and probably long-term just because of the investment into the program. Um, from the Big Ten's perspective, I think more interesting to them, especially if Notre Dame were to come along, would be Stanford. And I think the reason Stanford would be more attractive, A, Stanford brings along uh, more California ties for the other California schools. 
Uh, Stanford does have some history with Notre Dame. Uh, Stanford, I think, would uh, – this is probably silly. I don't know that this would be a needle mover just for the conference, but I guess maybe a little icing on the cake. I think there's a little – Big Ten Nation wants a Stanford-Northwestern rivalry. And uh, more than anything, if you're going to bring along Notre Dame for the absolute football prowess that it brings – you're bringing along Stanford for its academics because its endowment and the research dollars that it brings with its AAU accreditation would be something that the Big Ten presidents would jump head over heels for. So uh, if you're adding another West Coast school to go with uh, Notre Dame, my gut feeling would be it'd be Stanford, though I would think the more competitive and probably more compelling program would be Oregon. Well, there's, I was kind of joking with a USC fan saying like, how hilarious is it that Stanford's future might entirely depend on what Notre Dame does. But then I realized Stanford's in the Bay market, right? That's the, the TV markets are kind of what's driving this. They're in the Bay area, Oregon. If you want to be generous and give them Portland is not, really a big market it's it, it's not huge i think it's 19th in the country um san francisco area is sixth i believe there might be a reason to take stanford without notre dame you know because like you said the presidents and the chancellors there would love to have them um the endowment's massive it look they've been the best team in the pac-12 in the last 20 years uh, they're awful right now but they've been really good in certain spot in certain pockets so if i'm the big 10 I mean, Notre Dame or no Notre Dame, I might just go Stanford over Oregon anyway. <laughs> um, I, I see value there, but that's partially because I, I, I do like Stanford. Something something I wanted to ask you guys, uh, well, maybe maybe better suited for Eric, but um, I, I, this could be at the end of this discussion. So if you have anything else you want to say first, maybe I'll, I'll let you go because I kind of want to end on your pitch to Notre Dame fans on what you could offer as a representative of the Big Ten. Uh, I would add the most desirable school after Notre Dame is not in the Pac-12, in my opinion. It's in the ACC. And there's a reason why, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners know about the troubles of why ACC is not getting picked apart. It has to do with the, uh, the grant of rights there and the horrible deal that all the ACC schools signed there out till like the year 2036. So they can't get out of it without paying some substantial, like over 200 and some 230, $240 million fee or something to get out of it, which is just tying them to the ACC, uh, which is holding the ACC together. But if it, if I were a betting man, I bet if, if that grant of rights could somehow get figured out, I bet, I bet this is actually something Kenneth probably maybe would agree with, maybe not. Um, I bet the number one team that would want that could get picked off by both the ACC and the Big or SEC and the Big Ten would be North Carolina. I think there's a tremendous amount of value. I know they're not the powerhouse football program. But as far as we all know, 
the Big Ten once added Maryland and Rutgers for money, and they bring jack shit to the conference uh, from a competitive standpoint. North Carolina is at least holds their head above water, at least with football. They they are a branding machine that also holds incredible academic value. I know there's going to be people out there joking about the academic or academic scandal um, a few years ago, but like they also are in a state that neither the Big Ten or the SEC currently hold in one of the fastest growing states. And it also would get the Big Ten into a region of the country that is kind of in the SEC's backyard where there is some real football talent. There is a lot of value for the Big Ten to go get a flagship school like North Carolina down there. And oh, by the way, it also brings one of the premier basketball programs along with a lot of premier. If you could get Notre Dame and North Carolina at the same go, Big Ten would probably say, we're done. That's it. Well, also, North Carolina has two, I think, major TV markets. Like, the the, the state of North Carolina has two that they can kind of pick off of. Um, But, Kenneth, I wanted your opinion from the SEC perspective. Let's say the ACC is dying. Uh, You have your, you know, the Big Ten has struck first blow. You're you're commissioner of the the SEC right now. Who are your top targets to go after? Well, to me, it'd be Clemson and either Florida State or Miami. Those seem like the obvious choices. Regionally, it makes sense. Uh, Especially with Miami, you could get that rivalry with Florida back. It's plus the Clemson-Georgia rivalry. That's a big one. The uh, South Carolina-Clemson rivalry can be in conference. Now, that's just the best uh, two teams. Oh, yeah, from I'm, assu- I'm ass- sorry. I was just gonna. I'm assuming you're excluding Notre Dame from that conversation. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've always thought of Notre Dame as an SEC school. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> Explain that. Would- oh, I'm just joking. <laughs> oh, yeah. That 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 would be as good of a fit as Brian Kelly at LSU. <laughs> that Notre Dame, Agent Notre accent. Dame, in the SEC is like family. Yeah, <laughs> I was waiting for a family joke to come in there because we were talking about Kelly a little bit earlier. Um, that's great. You know, I, I, I would definitely leverage the Big Ten like with the SEC. I would flirt with them if that's what it took to, you know, get whatever I wanted. But sure, uh, I can't see that working. You know, Notre Dame is um, a bit too academic in the sense where they that like. Well, there's no such thing. It's a very good academic school, but they they care a lot about academics, like as much as football. Uh, and that's something that doesn't, I don't think, fit as well with the SEC. Um, they're also... Uh, hello, Vandy. Vandy. It's true, Vanderbilt. Yeah, you got Vanderbilt. Um, it's not that... They're, and, and I mean, Florida's a great school too. Georgia's a solid school. Like there's, there's good schools in, in the SEC. That's not what I was getting at. It was just more so... How it's per, how and, it's uh, implemented culturally, yeah. And then joke, but now Texas is joining, and that's actually a really good school too. Well, I've seen a crazy floating idea out there because nothing has been signed yet, like in terms of grant of rights, that maybe the Big Ten should try to pick off Texas. <laughs> yeah, so everybody up here wonders why the hell the Big Ten didn't go after Texas before the SEC did. And the reason is Texas is never moving without Oklahoma. 
And we, the Big Ten is not adding schools that aren't AAU flavor if they don't have an end and end with an order dame. So um, Texas was never coming here without Oklahoma. Oklahoma is not an AAU school, so that was just never going to happen. Like that, just uh, just, just a just a quick explainer to just the audience because we're throwing a lot of terms out there. Oh, the sorry. AAU, the, so no, no, no. It's a certain academic accreditation based heavily on research at the universities. Um, it's it's meant a high distinction. Um, Notre Dame is not AAU because, as people will know, Notre Dame is primarily an undergraduate school. Its graduate programs are secondary. Um, it's an excellent school, but it's not a huge research-based school, and that's the one exception the Big Ten has said they would make. What I wanted to ask you, Eric, though, is would you make an exception for Miami because they're also a private school, very good, but not AAU, and you would have a very interesting football program there, and yet a ninth rival for Notre Dame in the in the conference. No, I personally would not. Um, I. I I don't know. I Miami does nothing for me personally. Um I I would if I'm the Big 10. Okay, I'm doing this if I'm in the Big 10's shoes, not if I'm for me if if it were me, I would probably rather have Florida State than Miami. I know Florida State's down, but I feel like if they were to get back up, I would rather have that than Miami. That's just me. The Big Ten doesn't feel that way, but I don't think the Big Ten, from a revenue standpoint, I don't think Miami really moves the needle. I think we're seeing especially as of late, and this is going to kind of get in, I think, into the NIL conversation. Uh, They're seeing a lot of real uh, uh, under-the-carpet type NIL stuff going on down there, and that's not how the Big Ten operates. Even the most SEC of of Big Ten schools, Ohio State, does not operate that way. So... um, I I don't think they're really make a, a character of fit. Can I make a counter argument though for Miami? And I, I say this because as much as I hate Miami, I really lo- I love that game and I love I, I love just how sexy the U is, but I think there's a high potential with Miami because if Miami's banging again, that that that's a brand machine, right? The just the simple U, right? That's iconic. Um, mm-hmm. on top of that, you get the Miami market. Um, and it's a good it's a good uh, education, but you are right. The Miami has been secretly one of the worst violators of the NIL rules out there with Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, so I don't I, know if that's going to fly well. I no, I don't disagree. A lot. Uh, I I know from talking to other state fans, they think that Miami is just a just dirtbag school, and I don't know why they think that. It is a branding machine. I think it's because. We went down there this past year and thrashed them in their own house when their own house was like only half full. It's like when they're going, that is a full stadium. But that's yeah, another. But they thing only too. have a, they only have a full stadium when they're playing Notre Dame. That's what's so annoying about Miami. Well, is 
they, nobody shows up. <laughs> they used to. The problem is they also used to play in the Orange Bowl, which was an iconic venue, and they knocked it down to build a stupid baseball stadium that nobody goes to. Uh, and then now they play in the Dolphin Stadium, which, by the way, that's another thing the Big Ten doesn't like. They don't like it when you play in NFL venues. The only exception I've ever seen the Big Ten make in taking expansion teams when you don't play in your own venue is UCLA, which, by the way, is the Rose Bowl. So, uh, and that's not an NFL venue. So, sorry. Like, sorry, Pitt. You're never joining unless you build your own stadium. And probably will never join for other reasons, but because you're Pitt. But I digress. Um, I, I wanted to ask uh, Kenneth a question, just one more about expansion, and then I think then I'll come back to you, and then I think we'll move on to to college football programs, so we can we can have that debate as well. But I wanted to ask you with the expansion, I think the Big Ten should kind of try to get to Florida. I think that's a big spot for recruiting. I think it's a big market there as well. The SEC seems to be pretty locked in regionally. That's the one thing the Big Ten did with striking first with USC and UCLA is you're starting to box the SEC in in this little territory war we've got. Do, are you concerned about that at all, or do you actually prefer it if it's a Southern thing because that's a, just a different type of football and that kind of fits better with, with the SEC brand and culture? I'm not worried in the slightest. I think it's best to stay regional. If you see where all the five and four stars are coming from, it's mostly from the uh, from the SEC region. Like even I think Georgia actually is starting to become a better producer of high school talent than California is. So, I, I mean, I don't think there's any problem with staying regional. I think you know the smack talk is even better since a lot of the fans can be there in person and stuff like that. I mean, how many how many Ohio State fans are there to talk smack to USC fans when they play over there in California? So, I think it's best to stay regional. There's yeah, I. It's hard to argue the uh, it's hard to argue the SEC's uh, regional claim, and you're trying to go national and brag about your national profile when SEC has like 85% of the high school talent in America right in their own backyard. Um, and it makes a challenge. And I know Notre Dame fans are used to having to recruit nationally. It's what they've done their entire existence, you know, but big 10 schools, you know, forever recruited regionally and it was fine until it wasn't. And, it became a problem. It's why the SEC started widening the gap in the BCS era. And, you know, Jim Trestle, you know, when he took over at Ohio State, kind of widened the gap by, like, putting the walls around Ohio and being an amazing coach. Um, but it took Urban Meyer opening the pipelines to the South and then starting to go national to really turn Ohio State into what it was or what it is today. And nobody else in the Big Ten has been able to really uh, do and replicate what Ohio State has. Even Michigan, with all of their resources, has struggled to be a true regional or national power in recruiting the way Ohio State has. So, like, I, I mean, you're seeing Penn State starting to do it a little bit. Um, uh, but it's 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 hard when you're up here and you don't have that. And that's 
why the Big Ten is trying to go national and get some California schools. And, you know, to Dylan's point, maybe getting some programs down south does help with your recruiting base. Um, the Big Ten, I think, is more concerned about, you know, trying to get into markets where the SEC already isn't. And Florida already has Florida, the Gators, in that state you know, a state that also has the ACC, which will eventually presumably not exist in the next 10 or 12 years. But um, I, that's kind of where my brain was at with North Carolina is that you kind of get into that region where the, where the SEC isn't currently. So, um, and you on know. top of that, North Carolina is one of the fastest producing talents. Like they're growing, like you mentioned, uh, Georgia, Kenneth, it's, it's like that in North Carolina. Arizona is another big one. Um, so these are the areas you're starting to see programs try to get to. Um, and, and just, you know, because I have to do the Homer propagandist machine here. This is why I think Notre Dame is actually best positioned of any northern program to resurge and kind of become dominant. Not Ohio State. And my argument for it is Ohio State is recruiting nationally because they're a fantastic program. But does anyone believe that an 8-4 and four Ohio State would have any success taking DBs out of Florida? You know, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think they have that pull. Whereas Notre Dame, whether they're eight and four or twelve and zero, they're gonna get. They have to get kids across the country. Um, the only difference is if Notre Dame's twelve and zero regularly, like Ohio State has been, or in that conversation, then you start getting the five star kids. And that's why I think Notre Dame is kind of trending upwards. I'm not gonna say Ohio State is trending downwards. I'm just saying the margin of error is thinner for Ohio State because I think Ohio is kind of decreasing in talent a bit. Like in the last few recruiting cycles, it seems to be not as as great as it used to be. Um, and on top of that, you just you have to keep winning if you're Ohio State because if not, look at Michigan. Like you said, Michigan can't break nationally because they're not on that level. Counterpoint: Eight and four Ohio State. Uh, Ryan Day is getting fired immediately, and they're bringing in. I don't know. Name your coach. That's one of the best jobs in America and they will get whoever they want and you name your price. They will go get that coach. Uh, do they want to go get Dave Aranda from Baylor? Fine. Name your price. They'll go get him. They want to go get, uh, um, uh, who, who's the next? Sure. Luke fickle. Yeah. I mean, that's a natural fit. Luke fickle comes home. Sure. I mean, they'll go get whoever it is. And they'll just take right off. I mean, it's eight and four Ohio State is that is an absolute abject failure. So, yeah, I mean, um, that's there's a lot worse problems if they go eight and four. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's if you if a kid sees Ohio State go eight and four, they're not going to go to Ohio State but it's probably not going to Ohio state because that whole coaching staff is getting flipped upside down. Um, so I, I want to wrap this up, this conference discussion. I think it's been great. Um, so much to talk about. I can't believe we're already, you know, 50 minutes into this. Um, Eric, you are the representative of the big 10. You are trying to get Notre Dame into your conference. What does it look like for us? Like, what is what is the deal? What is Notre Dame getting out of this? Like, what's how are you how are you structuring the Big Ten? Uh, what are what are the benefits for Notre Dame? Make your pitch, and we'll let the audience decide if that's the right decision. Well, first of all, uh, thank you for your time. 
the the Big Ten is a conference that is no longer the regional Midwest conference that you used to know. Uh, we are now a national conference. We now go from New York to Chicago, all the way to Los Angeles. Uh, we have other major markets like Minneapolis. Um, we stretch a lot of ground. You will, uh, you will have a lot of helmet games. You know between uh, Michigan, Ohio State, USC, UCLA, Penn State, uh, and even some uh, mid-tier helmet games with schools like Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan State. Uh, you will have your rivalry games renewed with USC, and that'll be a conference game. So that game will even mean more than it ever used to before. Now you're battling for conference championship with USC. How amazing is that? You, you now get to decide, hey, if we get to beat USC, we get to go to the conference championship game. Oh my God, what if you play USC in the championship game? Mind blown. Hey, now, is that if that doesn't get you riled up, what about Michigan every year? I know you guys hate their guts. What if I told you you could go blow their brains out in Ann Arbor? That's right on the table for you. What about Michigan State? Hey, listen, I'll, I'll meet you guys on Grand River Avenue in East Lansing, and we'll go hit Conrad's and have a beer afterwards. What about Purdue? They ruined my year last year. If you guys just take them to the woodshed and just take them out of their misery, I would not be mad about it. All your rivals are here, man. The only rival you won't have here is Navy, and they're not invited. I'm sorry. But the rest of them are here. Uh, you, for your troubles, you'll be rewarded with $100 million every year. You get it right away. And you will have a seat at the college football playoff, provided you do well enough every year. But seeing how Marcus Freeman is recruiting, I don't think that's going to be a real big problem. And the way your schedule is going to work out, you're probably going to avoid Ohio State uh, every other year. So that at least you don't have to deal with the assholes of Columbus every year. Now, the scheduling format, I would propose a non-potted, non-divisional situation. I would just do a simple protect five rivals and rotate the rest of the teams every three years. So Notre Dame would play five rivals every year, and it would be your main five rivals. We're bringing along Stanford, by the way. That's the team we're bringing along with you. So you're playing Stanford and USC every year. So you're going to California every year, whether it's going to the Bay Area or whether you're going to L.A. You're also playing Michigan and Michigan State every year. So you're going to the Great Lakes State every year, whether it's to the world's biggest shithole or whether you're going to East Lansing. You're also playing Purdue every year. The rivalries are renewed. And then you get to rotate the rest of the schools once every three years. That's your schedule. You want to make your, you want to have the, uh, the, the Shamrock series. Okay, that's fine. NBC's on board with us, by the way, we can make that happen every three years or so. We'll make one of your home games, a Shamrock game. Want to play uh, Illinois and Kansas city and the, 
Arrowhead Stadium in September? Sure, I don't care. You want to go? You want to go play UCLA and SoFi Stadium? I mean, it's your home game. I I don't. I mean, I would personally want my home games in my own stadium, but your fan base likes having those games on the neutral sites and the Shamrocks and you know and having the sweet, awesome movie cinematic, you know, jersey reveals in Las Vegas with Marcus Freeman in the hangover stuff, which by the way, that was legit. So if you want to do that, cool. We'll make it happen. That's not a problem. I mean, we no, NBC's with us now, man. Tariko's going to be on board, man. Tariko and Collinsworth. They're they're coming along with us. They'll just go do the Sunday night game for the NFL. You know, they'll fly to that game the next night. So it's not a big deal. Come on, right. man. What, We're what all if, here. What if, what if we demanded everybody watch Rudy at least once once a week? Is that, uh, man, is that come on. I'm already giving you <laughs> I'm giving you a hundred million dollars a year. You're gonna make me watch Rudy once a year. Come on. <laughs> God. I I I really appreciate that, Eric. I'm sure all the fans do too. It's it's such a, a great perspective you put it in. And I, I and and look, this is a Michigan State fan, and he speaks very nicely and very respectfully of Notre Dame. He does not do the same with Michigan. And I just want to say before we transition into Kenneth's wheelhouse here. Notre Dame's rivals and Michigan's rivals are totally different in terms of how they view each other. I've always viewed our rivalries as mutual respect. Like, I've never had an issue with Michigan State. You know, you hate USC, but you love them. You know, Purdue's always been a respectful rivalry. Stanford's a respectful rivalry. The only one that Notre Dame absolutely hates is Michigan. That's it. Michigan's rivals, I don't think they have a rival who respects them or likes them. It's everybody hates Michigan, right? Like Minnesota hates Michigan. Michigan State hates Michigan. Ohio State hates Michigan. And I just think that's a reflection on those two programs. Fuck Michigan, as always. I had to get that in here. Um, thank you, Eric, for your <laughs> for yours. Um, I got to move into Kenneth now. Uh, you've uh, th- This is your, your moneymaker here. How about you... First off, just kind of explain to the audience what your project is um, on Twitter. You guys have to follow it. It's fantastic content because um, it's super interesting. And then we can kind of get into this debate about where where teams stand historically. All right. The uh, project, it is a massive intertwined thing. I'm trying to like uh, one of the things is a programs rating. I have like a bunch of different statistics that I have. I uh, assign them points based on rarity, like uh Let's say a modern national championship, uh, that's, you know, it's worth a modern national championship. A top 10 rating would be worth one-tenth of those because there's one champion and 10 top 10 teams. So it's something kind of like that. That's how it's scored. But I'm trying to, like, just do historical stuff, like posting, uh, like, long-forgotten coaches and, uh, you know, things that just sort of get buried under the history books. So historical stuff is sort of my expertise. That's what I like doing, and that's what I've been doing on Twitter. So you've got this series where you're ranking the greatest programs of all time. Um, I, this is something I've also done, which is why I think we've we've connected so well, because it's, it's such a fascinating tool. Um, how about you just kind of give us the rundown there? What are you seeing? Um, are you prepared to tell us who your top schools are, or is that is that going to be a surprise? I'm not sure. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, the... Uh, uh, the whole uh, top programs of all time debate is uh, it comes down to what stats you're using, how you rate them, and that's about it. What I wanted to do was make one of the first things I uh, learned when I got to the University of Alabama was uh, research bias. 
something called researcher's bias, where if a researcher does like a project and they want to see something, they will see it. So if an Oklahoma fan does historical research and they want to see Oklahoma at number one, they will see them at number one. Maybe they'll value conference championships at way higher than they're supposed to be, but that's what's going to happen. Same thing will happen to Ohio State. Most Notre Dame fans think Notre Dame's the greatest of all time. Most Bama fans think Bama's the greatest of all time. And uh, I saw that with the earlier, like, primal versions of what I did. I was overrating bowl games and stuff like that. So what I wanted to do was make it to where it was completely fair, no recency bias, no researcher's bias. So uh, one thing I did, I cut out conference championships because there's, uh, you know, a lot of independent teams historically, uh, Miami, Penn State, Notre Dame, all those teams. I cut out bowl games to be fair to the Big Ten and to Notre Dame and to the uh, uh, school, the Eastern teams that weren't participating. I uh, cut out NFL success, actually, to be fair to the uh, military schools like Alabama over the last four years, I believe, has more uh, draft picks than Army has in their entire history. Army has more uh, college football Hall of Fame players than Alabama does, I'm pretty sure. It's not that Army isn't producing great players. They just they're going to that military school to be in the military, not in the NFL. So uh, I only did like the basic stuff that goes all the way back to like the 1800s national championships uh, wins. Top 10 finishes, uh, wins over top 10 teams, All-Americans, Hall of Fame coaches. And to be even more fair, I uh, used the AP poll from 1936 onward. That's when it was invented. Before that, I used top 10 teams from math systems that go all the way back to the 1880s. So there isn't like absolutely no uh, bias in any of the stuff I do. That was the whole point of it. So that's the project I'm on. That's uh, that's so great. Uh, I wanted to ask you, because when I've done this, my biggest hurdle is how do you count national champions? Because how you do that determines how your results come out. And I, I, the only way, my argument is, the only way it's standardized is if you just admit every claim. Every poll who's given a championship to somebody counts. That's the only standard way. It's not fair because not all the polls are the same, but you can't count claim titles because not all schools have the same standards. Uh, (laughs) You're looking at me funny, Eric. (laughs) Um, Alabama's the notorious one, but they're not the worst one, actually. Michigan is one of the worst ones for that. Um, The NCAA has a website that tries to regulate it that you can go with. I I still hate it, but it's still there. Um, So I did mine today. I updated all my numbers. The gap, uh, there used to be a gap. So last time I did this was about four years ago. And at that time, Notre Dame was still number one by a fair margin. That's, oh boy, that's uh, that's been closed pretty quickly. Um, Alabama is something. The only thing, I like the way the results produced. I think it was a fair, a fair outcome. Like, it makes sense when I look at them. Like, okay, these seem like the top 10 teams. With one exception, and this is my problem, by, su- by choosing the all champions kind of methodology um the pit panthers have 11 national championships which in my system as it currently stands puts them ninth ahead of lsu penn state and tennessee and nobody in their right mind would usually say that that's ahead of them but that's kind of just the problem with this is when you how do you do the championship so what i want to ask you is how how do you deal with the championships and and how do you weight it in, in your methodology First of all, don't you dare speak of Dan Marino like that. The problem with using all championships recognized by the NCAA record book is the NCAA record book is garbage. A lot of the stuff is inaccurate. I believe I've mentioned this to one of y'all before. Uh, it has the numbers wrong. Uh, it, it doesn't count all of like 
like the Dunkel system in 2018 rated Alabama as the best team. It's not in the NCAA record book. It cuts out some of USC's championships. I'm sure if you, if I actually looked into this, Notre Dame would be missing some. So it just, it's, it's, it listed, it lists some selectors as selecting teams they never selected. And so I, I find that inaccurate. How I counted them was, uh, College football historians prior to 1936, particularly James Votris and Bob Curlin, they actually know what they're talking about. They studied up on the articles written by the sports writers of the time. They know how an AP poll would have looked like back then. So I used that prior to the AP poll. Uh, afterwards, I used the AP and coaches poll, but I cut out all of the uh, teams that lost their bowl games and replaced them with the uh, second best team of the regular season. So like uh, 1953, Notre Dame replaces Maryland there. So uh, that's how I counted them. I love that. But my only issue is it just depends what you're going for. That's a bit of rewriting history in that sense. And I think you're coming up with better champions. Totally. Um, there's so many arguments. 1993 belongs to Notre Dame. Um, but that's kind of you're, you're going back and you're picking something. Um, at least what I've tried to do is just what is out there. I try to I try to use. I'm very curious how our results are going to look. Um, I only had one surprise change from the last four years, and that was actually Michigan went up. So don't blame me. There's no bias. There's no researchers bias here. Michigan did well. Um, Boo! I want... <laughs> Eric, I wanted to get you in on this because um, I, when I asked you, I'm like, do you, you know, how how would you rank these schools? You gave me a pretty good list. Uh, I don't know if you have that offhand, but how what just without doing the numbers, just as a college football fan. How would you rank kind of the blue bloods of, of the sport? And in particular, where do you put Michigan State? Because Kenneth ranked them a little bit low, I think. Um, maybe that's just me trying to start a fight. But, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts? I have, I, I have my list up. I have it. I brought it up just in case. I haven't seen Kenneth's list, and it's not going to start a fight because I know that um, I'm going to put Michigan State number one, and that's just how it is. So that's just... No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, my, I mean, my list starts with Alabama. I mean, and it's not, and it's not just recency bias. I mean, they have two of the greatest coaches that have ever existed, literally number one and number two. And in my mind, they also have the most national championships. They are, they were in force gump. Right? Like, that's the program that was in Forrest Gump. What more do I need to say? Um, for me, at number two, I put the I put them at number two, but they're kind of a tie with number two and number three. I put number two, Notre Dame. Um, uh, number three for me was Ohio State. Um, I, I view them as right on the same tier in my brain. Um, I... They, I view Notre Dame as more of the uh, historically relevant, where Ohio State is historically relevant, but they've turned it on as of late. Um, I have Michigan at number four. I have USC at number five. I also have Oklahoma at six, Texas at seven. I have Penn State at eight, and then to round out my top 10, I have Nebraska and LSU. And 
my list was not just based on um, historical, though that was a big part of it. Um, my list is also about what you've done, just your entire body of work. And I didn't just take national championships into it. I also just took into overall branding today as well. So um, Michigan State is in my top 25, but they are not near the top, if I'm being honest. So, yeah, I, I think that's fair. And I think the 10 teams you've listed are, are probably the 10 teams in the top 10. Um, if I were to just rattle it off the top of my head. Um, for the audience at home, I'll give you my list. Um, I did try. It's hard because I'm, I'm wearing two hats right now, right? Like I'm I'm the propagandist machine, but I'm also with Kenneth on. I hate if my work has any kind of bias in it. Um, I have a story like I, I've done this one title per year thing just as a fun side hobby. And Michigan was unfortunately so low that I was cheering for them to win 1997. Um, just because I didn't want there to be any recency or research bias in my own work. So I, I've got, I'm playing two hats here. Um, here's where I go, and I'll, I'll tell you the points to show you the gaps between the teams. Um, and this is something, it's not complete, because I only had a few hours to work on it today, and I, I still got to adjust for Pitt being number ninth. I, I, <laughs> something's wrong there. I got I to gotta, I gotta reassess that. Um, but at number one, I it's close, but I still have the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. 10,293 points. Um, for Notre Dame, they they lead most or are tied for first in Heismans, All-Americans, College Football Hall of Famers, NFL Hall of Famers, and draft picks. And they're usually in the top three for any other category. Uh, number two for national championships to Alabama. Uh, number two overall, I have Alabama. Um, 10,043 points. So there's only a 250-point difference at the moment between Notre Dame and Alabama on my scoring system that will change. Um, very close. At three, I have USC at 8,448. So there's a fairly sizable gap there between Alabama and USC. Um, then I have Oklahoma at 8,338. Just really, really close with USC in, in both in both instances, they're high national championship teams, Heisman winners, draft picks, consistent, you know, a um, lot of similarities between the two as much as they hate each other. Number five, I have Michigan. They were usually number six on my list, but they bumped up. And I have Ohio State number six. Um, the reason Ohio State's a little bit lower for me is I tend to value national championships more than consistency. That is probably a Notre Dame thing. Um, but Ohio State has been probably the most consistent program in the sport, but they only have, well, they claim eight titles, which is less than the others, and by all selectors, it's 15, uh, but that has been disputed as well. So Ohio State and Michigan, the gap between them is about 50 points. So as if that rivalry isn't heated enough, on my system, they're 50 points apart from each other. Uh, and then I go seven Nebraska, eight Texas, I can't believe Pittsburgh is nine, and then I have LSU 10. Uh, I got to reassess that one just because Pitt won 11 titles, five or six of which were before 1920. Um, so we got to figure out a way there. But that's kind of how my methodology spit that out today. So Notre Dame, Alabama, USC, Oklahoma, Michigan, Ohio State, Nebraska, Texas are the blue bloods. I cut it off at eight. Um, I think most people do as well. And uh, and I'm ready to hear what uh, it well, Kenneth, you don't have to you don't have to spoil it. But how about you uh, critique us? What what uh, what where have we gone wrong here? 
back to the research bias. I think the reason you have Pitt so high, uh, Pittsburgh is very, uh, they haven't been a very good team program, but they've been a very good individual program. They've got a lot of All-Americans. They've had a lot of NFL success, a lot of all that sort of stuff. And as a Notre Dame fan, you're more likely to value uh, individual uh, statistics over team statistics if we're going by the researcher's bias theory. I got to look at Paul Horning. Well, he had a Heisman Trophy. To be fair, just, to, just to cut in, to be fair, Notre Dame has a pretty strong team success rate, too. <laughs> disproportionately, they have a help. higher individual success it, rate. Yeah. It does help, yeah. You're right. Yeah, so that would be my opinion on why Pittsburgh is so high. Uh uh, I think you had Oklahoma at number four. Uh, did did you value conference championships at all, or I did actually. Um, I I gave conference championships a fairly decent weight, and I gave bowls a bit of a lesser weight. And my idea there was not all bowls are equal, but if you win your conference and your bowl, that kind of you kind of double dip there in terms of points. So I did give conference championships, which is obviously Oklahoma's strength. Yeah, um, Oklahoma I, has uh, how many? Like forty. Five or fifty conference championships, or something like that. Yeah, fifty. Yeah, <laughs> Jeez, that's so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> to tell you how much my uh, system does not have any sort of researchers bias, I have Yale in the top ten. The Yale Bulldogs. Yeah. So. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I I did not include schools who are no longer FBS. So yeah. I I think I would as well just because my system values championships so much. Yale, Princeton, Harvard, they'd probably all sneak in there. there uh, I had Michigan State so low, like they should be like three spots up because I also have Princeton and Harvard above them. Yeah. That makes sense then. I didn't know you were you were going that way. So very yeah. interesting. Believe what are you going to do? I mean, I mean when you when when the Spartans, if they were to meet Princeton on the field today, I mean, it's yeah. you know that's that's going to be tough. Yeah, I cut it off at uh, when they left the uh, F, uh, when they left the top, uh, you know, league of play. They left in 1981, so everything beyond that doesn't count. So obviously, these other teams are eventually going to catch up since they're not getting any more points now. So yeah, it's only a matter of time. I did have uh, Minnesota way higher than I thought uh, most other teams would be. Uh, they were great back in like the 1930s, 1940s, even in the 1900s, 1910s. I uh, have them at like number 13, definitely top 15. But they, uh, they have a lot of national championships. They've won, but they've beaten a lot of elite teams back before the AP poll uh, existed. They have a very large number of wins against you know those elite teams. So they're very much boosted. Illinois is in the top 25, which shocked me. So. Yeah. Kenneth, Kenneth, yeah. all that success those schools had were before Michigan State joined the Big Ten. Yeah. We were an independent back then, just like Notre Dame fans, just like you guys were. So yeah. just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, y'all joined the Big Ten in what, like 1954, early 50s? Uh, 50, 52, 53, something like that. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That sounds about right. Yeah. So where where do you have Oklahoma? Because you seemed a little surprised I had them at number four. I believe, well, uh, my uh, system counts uh, strength of schedule, of course, uh, games against a little team. Yeah, yeah so they took down. a massive hit there. They, they played yep. almost no schedule of value up until the 1960s. So I have them below all your uh, most traditional Blue Bloods. I have them below Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, USC, 
Yeah, I, they're not in the top five. That's fair. I mean, it yeah, it depends what you value there. If, if you're not valuing conference championships, which one of the reasons I did give a value to the conference championship is I didn't want to have Notre Dame bias in it. I want it to be like, you know, because I, I can make an argument for it, as you did, that conference championship shouldn't really be worth anything. But I was like, uh, that coming from a Notre Dame fan, that's not really acceptable. Um, so it depends what you value. But o- Oklahoma is a storied program. And I think if you're an Oklahoma fan listening, there's a difference between kind of the greatest in terms of the numbers and the success and storied. I think there's a bit of a give and take there because I think Michigan, as much as I hate those bastards, they are a pretty storied program. They just haven't been as successful past 1948 as some other programs. And I think you can make a strong argument for Ohio State even passing them as well. So that there's so much to this, and that's I love it. Like I, to me, it's like a pig in mud, uh, or the how the other term goes. Um, it's just a lot of fun to do. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'm glad to hear yours. Yours sounds a lot uh, more professional than 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 everyone else's, including mine. Yeah, if you if Michigan, if you like your blue bloods to have what one national championship since the end of World War II, that's awesome. Congratulations. No recency bias. I have Michigan higher than both of you, I believe. Oh, Mich- interesting. My number Michigan, five. my Michigan was number four. Yeah, mine's number three. Ah. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Did you take? Did you take number of seats in a stadium as part of your? No, no, no. <laughs> they love that. That's like their big thing. Yeah. They That's were blowing weird. out Chicago back when they were good and actually a major team and not D3. Oh, so yeah. They racked up the points on Chicago and Minnesota back when they were worth something. They did. They also uh, they also racked up points on like St. Mary's School for the Blind in yeah. like 1867. I think Dylan would like it if I uh, strictened up my uh, national championship uh, thing. It, uh, the way I uh, chose national champions, I wanted everybody to have like a chance to split them. If I wanted to stricten them up to like one per season, I believe Notre Dame would likely move up to number one. Michigan would likely move down to number four. So that it, it hurts. Well, Michigan what's wrong with that? I think that sounds perfect. <laughs> I bet. I bet if you started at like 19. 19- 45 we'll just say 1945 and move to today that michigan would have a drastic drop i have one for the ap era which is since 1936 and i think michigan's like number seven or number eight they're low yeah yeah you you know what's funny i I you hate to see it i consider um times number one like weeks spent number one in the ap poll and that's the one area Michigan gets hammered in because oh, yeah. ever since 36, yeah. Michigan's been just kind of okay. Well, obviously they're still elite because we're still talking top 15, but they're, they're not like they used to be. Um, just to clarify, so you said Michigan was number three. Mm-hmm. You are on a Notre Dame podcast. Is, is that higher or lower than Notre Dame? Because that, 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 that's going to be a big deal. Yeah, yeah, you can gonna... plead the fifth. They're lower. I'm joking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That that's great to hear. There I, actually I think, is a massive gap between uh, like there's like the blue bloods and the, up to Michigan. Then there's a massive gap, and then there's Notre Dame and Alabama. And that's what I found too is kind of no matter how you weigh it, there's two teams at the top, and you know we're represented in this podcast, Michigan State and Alabama. Of course, I'm speaking of. Um, although I think they split a title in '65, didn't they? Uh, yeah. The yeah. 
um, Michigan State lost their bowl game, but still got it because some polls. Uh, that was actually the luckiest national championship of all time. Alabama finished the season ranked number four. The year prior, the AP poll didn't, you know, count the bowl games, but this year they did. So the number one and number two teams, Michigan State and Arkansas, lost, and Alabama beat the number three team, and then just pole vaulted to the number one spot. One of the luckiest it, titles ever. That it sounds like, like you're just jealous. <laughs> <laughs> jealous might, of your regular season title. Hey. <laughs> that it, that reminds me of my favorite, like, I don't know, Notre Dame history bit is the 77 year when we're playing. So it's the 78. It's January 1st, 78, but it's the 77 season. And Notre Dame's playing Texas in the Cotton Bowl. And Texas is number one, and Notre Dame's like number four or five. And number two was playing like number four. Number three was playing number five. And Oklahoma was number two, and they lost that day, which opened up everything. Alabama, I believe, was number three and won their bowl game. But what happened is Texas was one. Notre Dame absolutely blew them out, and it vaulted them, like you just said, over everybody into number one. And then that's Joe Montana's national championship. So I always love that one. 1977 for a second. So yeah. that's it. Can I talk about that 77 team for a second? Absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah. Notre Dame 11 and 1, Alabama 11 and 1. Alabama blows out Ole Miss. Notre Dame loses Ole Miss. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, but you didn't have Joe Montana. Oh, <laughs> fight, fight, fight. Ring the bell. But that's, that's what's so great about the poll era is on literally on the 1st of January 1978, nobody knew who the national champion was going to be. You had to play all your games. You were seeing as you go. And then it was, what did the polls do? Now, interesting, the polls were, like, they weren't really close. Like, it was a consensus Notre Dame title. Like, both the AP and the coaches gave it to Notre Dame. So it's not, you can contest it on who should have won. But, you know, there's no real contestation there on on how the polls saw it. But that could be biased within the polls, right? Because they just saw Notre Dame beat Texas. And as you said, Ole Miss beat Notre Dame that year. Um, that's so fun. And, and to me, college football, this is what college football is. And I miss that. And I think we're going to miss it a little further as we head into conference expansion, you know, full circle. Um, I don't, this has been great, guys. It's been, you know, the best hour long we've been going. Um, just chatting with you guys about all college football matters. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about before we wrap this up? Um you know, it's 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 a it's a free format here. There's no rules. Want to debate 1966? Ring that bell. <laughs> well, that's a good one, Eric. Do you have a do you have a comment there? Because <laughs> is that is that is that the uh, is that the greatest game ever? The 10 10 tie. The 10 10 tie. Yep. Alabama oh. just there with their undefeated, untied season. Sad because they didn't win the title. <laughs> uh, again, man, I, you just hate to see it. It's like, you know, uh, those, that was back when I feel like, man, it's actually, it's weird. Now we got a, a state fan a Notre Dame fan and a Bama fan sitting here talking about it. None of us were alive to actually witness it, but, um, I'm still those solid. three programs were actually like the Georgia Clemson and Bama of the 60s like they this was when michigan state the last time they were a powerhouse and it's i don't want to sit on my soapbox and like you know but it's one thing that state fans do take pride in is like um uh that was a era where michigan state um 
integrated college football. They brought up a lot of black players from Texas and Bubba Smith was on that team. And that, you know, that really, I mean, that definitely uh, helped them become a better program, but it, I mean, they dominated the big 10 for a really long time. And from like the fifties and sixties and, as as a state fan, I hear it all the time from Michigan fans, especially here in the state. I hear it all the time about, you know, like, oh, you guys are irrelevant and blah, 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 you know, Bo and Woody and you guys have no history. It's like, well, I don't think you guys are going back far enough. Like, yeah, Michigan State from 70 to 80s and even into the like early 90s was kind of just not much. But like. The 50s and 60s, Michigan State had some really damn good programs and won some national championships. And They hired back-to-back Hall of Fame coaches, Duffy Doffrey, Biggie Munn. That's right. Coaches. That's right. And uh, it was uh, those, you know, my dad, my dad is old enough to remember those days. And, uh, yeah, he, he always talks about how, like, when he was a kid, you know, he remembers those battles between Michigan State and Notre Dame. And, you know, and I know that Dill and I privately talked about how, like, Michigan State and Notre Dame's independence and both of them struggling to get into the Big Ten. Really, it was Michigan State not being a religious institution that actually got them into the Big Ten. Otherwise, they would have kept struggling and a lifelong independent just like Notre Dame. But um, they, you know, they shared that kind of same independent bond forever. And even after Michigan tried to blackball the big 10 members into not playing Notre Dame, Michigan state was like, yeah, you can kiss our ass. And they kept playing them. And, you know, it wasn't until the, I think it was the late seventies when Michigan finally started playing Notre Dame themselves, but Michigan, that's why I always thought the Michigan State Notre Dame rivalry was special. And that's why my dad, when he raised me, you know, like it wasn't as special for Michigan and Notre Dame as much as it was for Michigan State Notre Dame. That's how I was always raised. That was very beautifully said. And I think the listeners will really appreciate that because it's a history Michigan denies, which is really frustrating because it's like this is, was our reality for a while. And Michigan State can literally vouch for it because they were one of the reasons um, we were able to stay afloat is we were able to keep playing Michigan State and stay regionally in an era where it was not very easy to travel nationally, which we still had to do. But, you know, you get a, cu- a couple local games in East Lansing and it's it, it saves you a lot in travel. Um, I, I think that's that's well said. And uh, I was going to talk about 66, but now I just feel bad, you know, going on about how unfair maybe the pollsters were to Michigan State. But you still have a rightful claim under I think it's the NFF poll still gave Michigan State the championship. So you're you're good to claim it. There's no I won't contest you on that one. We we tied 10 10 that day. Uh, we'll forget that Notre Dame beat USC like 52 nothing the next week. But that's it's fine. Yep, and Alabama I, got a book called The Missing Ring out of it. Like, who am I? Am, am I supposed to arm wrestle Kenneth for him? Or am I supposed to arm wrestle yeah. Dylan for it? I mean, I don't know at this point. Three way arm wrestle. We got two arms. <laughs> that's great. Um, Animals, baby. 
Yeah, Kenneth, you were asking a very interesting question before the show. I forgot to bring it back up um, about our escalation. Our, our interest in the Big Ten is going higher and higher. You, you your observation. Um, I would say a lot of that has to do with USC. I think once USC joined, it, there became a shift in, wow, there's a lot more attractiveness to the Big Ten. And then there was the financial reality of it. And then just speaking personally, I got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. Like, let's get this done with. Let's negotiate our deal. We'll protect our rivals. But then the report came out that Notre Dame could maybe stay independent if they keep a $75 million deal from NBC, which does seem ridiculous. And then I started kind of descending my interest a bit, being like, well, <laughs> I don't know. If we can manage independence, there's a lot of bad blood with the Big Ten. And it's more so the concern that if Notre Dame joins the Big Ten, they might lose that thing that makes them special, which is they're independent. Like, it's a national brand. And yes, the Big Ten's going nationally. But, you know, Penn State didn't have the most success in the world when they moved to the Big Ten. And they were... A very interesting brand size before that. Like Penn State was, you still you see a lot of Penn State retro jerseys at thrift shops. You know, like there's a lot of old Penn State material, and I, I just I don't want to be another Big Ten team, but that's kind of what we're wrestling with in a fan base. So, like I said earlier, it really depends who you talk to, and I'm curious what Eric thinks on that too because. You are, you know, you're on our timeline. You see all of our Notre Dame fans and friends. What do you, what, how do you view the excitement for the Big Ten? I, man, I, like I said earlier in the show, I said this as a state fan, I'd be lying if I told you that I wouldn't be excited to have the rivalry start back up again. I'm, I would be more excited if there's a way that they could start that up where they were non-conference rivals so that Notre Dame could retain their independence. But I'm also not naive. I know that's never going to happen um, with the way that the scheduling works and stuff. But um, I think that Notre Dame's independence is unique. I've always thought that it's unique. And uh if I always thought that if they ever had to join a conference and their hand was forced, the Big Ten would be the natural fit, just geographically speaking. Um, but geography's out the window. And because Notre Dame is a national brand, the Big Ten is positioning itself to be a national conference. So it just makes sense that if Notre Dame's going to make the jump, it's, it's all right there. That's, I, I would, the only, I would like to see them stay independent personally. Um, I, the only thing that bothers me about Notre Dame's independence from an outsider's perspective, and this is just me, but I feel like this bothers Notre Dame fans too, is your five game tie in with the ACC. I despise that. I don't like that you guys have to play like Wake Forest and Duke and Virginia every other year. Like, I think that's just ridiculous. Like, I could see if like they gave you like, okay, twice a year you got to play Miami and Florida State. And then the next year you got to play North Carolina and Clemson the next year. Like, if you were playing and then Pitt and Boston College, like if they could figure that out where you're just playing a couple of them, like the bigger ones, like I could see it. Man, they're making you go through all of them every three years. And it's like, man, like, who cares about, like, 
I say this tongue in cheek because I know they're going to be good this year, but like, who cares about like North Carolina State and Notre Dame? Like, do you guys, do we need Notre Dame to go to Carter Finley Stadium? Like, is that really, it just doesn't make sense. That, that, that bothers me, especially like since that was the arrangement that took Michigan State and Notre Dame away. So I am a little bitter about that. Well, um, I, I I can't blame you for that either because like we are bitter about it. We didn't want to lose those games. It was just it was sold to us as if you want to stay independent, we need to make more money. And the only conference willing to give us both right now with like access to bowl games and like a grant of rights for the other sports is the ACC. And the other sports, right? At the the other time, we just hate Michigan so much. It was like if this screws Michigan over, fantastic. Like I hate them so much. You know, I want to play them personally, but it was like we turned that into a positive really quickly. Um, but I'm with you there, too. Like, you know how much I love that Michigan State game. Like, I don't want to play Wake Forest and uh, Pitt's kind of a rivalry, so I don't mind that one. But like sure. North Carolina State, Virginia, Virginia Tech, like we've been to Virginia Tech twice in the last, I don't know, four or five years. And they do the, you know, the whole Enter Sandman thing, the most overrated entrance in college football history. I say as a Metallica I, fan. I personally um, love it. It We're going there and it's like. They build this up as the greatest thing of all time. They had Metallica do like a video opener for the. They were like, hey, guys, you know, it's us, Metallica. We're so glad that you're here supporting us and playing our song forever. They got the crowd so hyped. And it's just like, I don't care. I'm sorry. I just I don't care about going to Virginia Tech and being your Super Bowl in your stupid little stadium where you got to walk 20 minutes from your dugout around the park and then get into the stadium. Like, I just I can't stand it. I'm sorry. Not Lane Stadium. Oh, no. Here, okay, here's a question. I asked my buddies who are Notre Dame fans this, and I know that, like, there's obviously, like, money stuff tied to this, but, like, it's just kind of an interesting posture because I know this gets into, like, the other sports and, like, I don't, I don't have a negative opinion of the Big East in basketball. Wouldn't Notre Dame be better served to be in the I know, like, Avi, okay, so I get ACC has more money, like, in grant of rights and all that. Wouldn't the arrangement to have your other sports in the Big East where there is no football and then you could actually just be all the way independent be a better arrangement? I probably would take that. I I think the big concern back then, this was before the playoff, I think, and there was concern about getting into bowl games as well like the orange bowl was a big reason notre dame kind of went to the acc because we do have a tie in there i'm with you i'm if it's up to me i'd put all our sports in the big 10 like why is our baseball team traveling to florida state like that makes no sense to me right it's not football (laughs) there's no reason for that to happen right but usc is gonna have to do that now to come to the big 10 so i guess that's the world we live in but one of the interesting things about the big go joining the big 10 is I want to put my other sports teams there. I It's such a natural fit, and we're rivals with all those schools. Like, Indiana-Notre Dame basketball would be fantastic to watch, you know? I mean, it'd be hard for all the Indiana basketball fans, Notre Dame football fans to decide who they're cheering for, but, um, you know, the same <laughs> as the Duke-Notre Dame fans and the uh, the Yankee-Notre Dame fans. Um, not that they would play each other, but, you know, <laughs> it, it, you'd have those interesting matchups. And, of course, hockey is already in the Big Ten, which was hilarious because we won the conference our first two years in it um but yeah i I don't know the the big east probably would have made a lot of sense but 
I trust Jack. He knows what he's doing. And I think that's what we're in store for now is he's going to do what's best. And I think we all speculate on what's best. And we're going to find out, I think, pretty soon. I think that would be my biggest concern about going, okay, hypothetical. You get a, you get a $55 million a year deal from NBC and then plus whatever you get from the ACC. So it works out to what I'm, I'm spitballing here. I might be off. You get like $75 million a year total, right? So you get that. You've got access to the playoff. Independence seems like that's a path. Okay, great. My concern would be if I'm a Notre Dame fan, what happens if inevitably the SEC and the Big Ten does blow up the ACC at some point? And now Clemson's gone, Florida State's gone, North Carolina's gone. Uh, eventually, maybe even Virginia Tech and Miami are gone. Uh, I've even heard like Virginia and North Carolina State might even be like gone. You know, now all of a sudden you've got like left shambles of a conference. And then now it just doesn't even exist. And now you're Jack's Jack might not even be there. It might be a replacement, you know, because he's retired. But your new ADs left scrambling to try to find a home for all your other sports. And now all of a sudden it's like, now are we going back to the Big Ten? And maybe, and at that point, I'm sure the Big Ten would still take you, but do you have the leverage then that you do now if you're Notre Dame? Because right, right now, I think Notre Dame's in a great position with leverage, you know, especially now that Notre Dame's joined, but would they have that leverage down the line if they're kind of forced with like all their Olympic sports not having a home? So that's something I would be concerned about being tied to the ACC long-term knowing that the ACC could eventually collapse. Uh, yeah, I'm with you there. I, I think that's the main argument for joining the big 10 in 2024 slash 25 instead of 2036 or whatever we're talking about is leverage because you can leverage a pretty sweet deal right now. Um, they'll always take you, but you, you, you'll just be a regular member. You're not getting any kind of special whatever the hell we're thinking of in, in if, if we get to that scenario. So if Notre Dame is to stay independent, Jack's going to have to feel pretty confident that the ACC is going to stay intact, right? Or or something else. Like, there's going to have to be beyond just can we reach that money. It's can, can this be sustainable long term? And I don't know if it is, to be honest with you. As somebody who'd rather stay independent, I just I just don't know. And it's the uncertainty that's scary, but you know the Big Ten is more attractive than other ever. And uh, I to, to the traditional Notre Dame fans out there, I would say, you know, time to make some new traditions, maybe. And as Kenneth had mentioned, part of Notre Dame's tradition is independence, but part of Notre Dame's tradition is playing Michigan and Michigan State and Purdue, USC. You know, that's part of it. Um, to the f people who want to get to the Big Ten conference, you know. That's still our history that yet you're you're dealing with here. So I'm kind of on the fence with it. And you know, the more we talk about it, just the more confusing it gets. Like what what the hell do you do? I just it it's very it's very hard. Well, if you get here, a couple of uh, a couple of uh, advice pieces I'll give you. One, avoid Iowa at nighttime at all costs. That is a house of horrors. Uh, they also get really offended if you don't wave at the kids 
uh, in the window at the hospital. Like, just do it. I just, you'd be a real jerk if you didn't anyway, but that seems like a thing that like they take really seriously. And I had a friend who like was just setting their, went to a game one time. They were just setting their bag down to like then turn around and like wave at the kids. And like another guy like turned around, like elbowed him and was like, why are you not waving at the kids? It's like, they, they take that like really seriously. Um, but no, everybody goes to Iowa and gets uh, absolutely massacred at nighttime. Uh, that is a horrible place to play. So if you can avoid night games at Iowa, do it. Um, uh, the whiteouts at Penn State. Uh, this is something that Michigan State doesn't have to usually worry about because Michigan State's games are usually the last game of the year. Uh, but Penn State's whiteouts are a nightmare scenario, nightmare fuel. If you have to play in that, that's usually bad news bears. Um, you're going to find out really fast how different Ohio State is in the horseshoe versus in your own house. Um, if you can get past them in the horseshoe like Oregon did, consider yourself very lucky. That is a that is one of the toughest environments in college football. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think of other things that Notre Dame fans need to know about the Big Ten. Oh, uh, jump around is one of the coolest things at Wisconsin, and that's a cool, cool town. So we've stolen that. So. Uh, Notre Dame played Wisconsin last year in the Shamrock series and we beat Wisconsin and as like a joke we just stole it like jump around is now ours we've decided that we're going to play it whenever we want and we're going to jump around to mock Wisconsin so I'm with you though it is it is really cool um, I'm just teasing the Wisconsin fans you know that that is a, a neat tradition and I've heard Madison's actually like you said I think it's Madison right like that's their their, their yes. station it's a fantastic college town from what I've what I've heard so excited yes Yes, it, you will enjoy it. Um, one place I need to get to, one place I want to get to is uh, Lincoln for a game. I hear that's a really awesome time, and that's a really ruckus atmosphere. Um, and uh, everything else I've heard, you are not missing anything in Piscataway or uh, Maryland. That Those are two places that are like dead zones, no atmosphere. Don't worry about going to games there. Uh, those those are both cities with large Notre Dame fan bases anyway. I wouldn't be surprised if there's way more Notre Dame fans than Rutgers fans in New York slash New Jersey. So that would just be another home game. <laughs> uh, Northwestern is doing a massive rebuild of Ryan Field. They are like completely tearing it down and rebuilding it, which is nice because that place is a dump. It is the worst stadium in all of Power 5 football, in my opinion. Thank God that it's going to be, if it's anything like their practice facility overlooking the lake, which is one of the best in college football, that stadium is going to be super nice when it's done. So that'll be a fun place to go to because that's always a home crowd for the visiting team, especially like state, Notre Dame, Michigan. When those places go there, it's always a home crowd for the visiting team. I hope you're taking notes, Kenneth, of, Yep. places you got to go visit when <laughs> when you come up north sometime. Um, yeah. Guys, I think this has been a fantastic episode. Um, I'll let you guys sign off with, uh, you know, where people could find you. Uh, anything you want to mention, free range. Um, 
we're uh, we're we're pretty cool here. So, uh, uh, Kenneth, I'll give you I'll give you the floor here, so people can find you, especially so they can see how your rankings turn out, because those are I can't wait. They're going to be so very yep. interesting. I'm also making charts, so I'm going to have like you know Kyle Umlong, however you pronounce his name, has like a blue blood charts. I'm going to have uh, one of those with uh, my blue bloods in it, uh, graphics, you know, with the uh, logos and the stats. So I'm going to be making those and posting those after the rankings are done. But yeah, I can be found at uh, Twitter, kickoff with Kenneth, uh, at finder goat. So, or finder underscore goat. I'm not even sure. I don't care about my own handle. I created it at random. But uh, yeah, I just post uh, graphics there, historical stuff. So that's what I do. Uh, I, I will say two things. Uh I forgot the first thing. Uh, how's Alabama going to do this year? Uh, just leave us on that too, because uh, you are the Bama fan, and the Crimson Tide are, are the the vaunted, you know, Crimson Tide. So how how are you feeling about this season? Fifteen and zero. This is uh, on paper our best team we've had since 2016, 2015. It's like our defense is stacked. Well, they're always stacked, but this time for real. Like last time, last year the defense sort of disappointed. It was supposed to be the best defense ever, but. Uh, uh, yeah, defense is stacked, offense is stacked. We got the Heisman winner returning. We got the best player in the country returning and Will Anderson. I feel like we're going undefeated. I can't even fault you for that. That's that's very realistic. Um, it's great to have you, Kenneth. I uh, hope we have you in the future, too. And it, it's been it's been a pleasure um, just talking college football history. So I uh, appreciate that from from the Four Horsemen and from our listeners. And uh, Eric, I'll let you uh, I'll let you hit uh, hit our hit your Twitter account so people can follow you, too. Um, I think you've got one of the best Twitter accounts for a fan out there. It's Always spot on, always funny, um, always anti-Michigan. So, uh, yeah, how about uh, you let us know where to find you? Yes, uh, I am E.T. Wall, am I? And uh, I just post Michigan State stuff mostly, but I also like to just repost uh, anti-Michigan propaganda for the most part. Uh, but, um, yeah, I just like to have fun on Twitter for the most part. And uh, I think Alabama is going to go 14 and one because they will meet Michigan state in the title game and lose. So um, they will Anderson is the best player in the country. I just think that somehow he will get neutralized. We haven't figured out the game plan yet, but when we get there, we will, we will figure it out or something. How are you going to neutralize him? I don't know, man. Uh, we it's not it's not 2023 yet. All right, we'll we'll figure it out. You know, one game at a time. Talk coming. Don't worry about it. You belong on this show with your propaganda. Just the wrong team. Um, <laughs> thanks, everybody, um, listeners at home. I hope you enjoyed it. We got two more episodes coming this month, which is crazy since we're usually inactive in August. So that's how much we love you guys. Uh, college football is coming. Hope you get ready. Season previews coming up soon. Uh, And I'll finish off by just saying, go Irish, beat the mouth breathers. Beat the mouth breathers. See you guys.